Sonic State Lost Call. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 216, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, those of you can may, may be viewing it live via sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4 p.m. UK time, uh, will be enjoying a sort of Celebrity Squares video of uh, me and the gang. Uh, although I've still got a spinny box, which is not so good. Um, but thank you very much to everybody joining us. Uh, as you can see, we have a kind of square formation today. Uh, and in the top corner over there, we've got Mr. Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, who's joining us from Bristol. Uh, he's actually Welsh. I'm sure you can get your heads around that. People travel all the time. How are you, Gaz? Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Good. I'm very glad to hear that. Very glad to hear that. You're looking like you're about to have some um, special effects coming up behind you because you've got a green screen kind of action going on. You need to get some posters on that wall, young man. I take them down. Oh, do you? The pictures, yeah. Are they really that embarrassing? Oh, no, no, no. It's just like... Anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, Songsurgeon.co.uk, I think I said. And uh, I'll go diagonally down uh, where we can say hello to uh, Mark Tinley's chest there. Hello, Mark. Hello. How are you? Mark Tinley, of course. Oh, yeah. Say hello to my chair. Wall of Death. Wall of Blah. Death. I saw a Wall of Death for the first time at WOMAD last year, and it was really impressive. Did you? Yeah, really was impressive. Was it I'm not sure. It was, they had some quite old motorcycles and some bored-looking yeah. individuals who looked like they could do it with their eyes closed and probably did have their eyes closed, but it was very good. Did they have a very foxy 18-year-old blonde lady riding the... No, it definitely wasn't them. No, they didn't. They had a surly-looking blonde bloke who looked like he would actually (laughs) punch you at the drop of a hat. It was a very hot day, though. I'm not surprised. And they were in a a confined space. Anyway, Mark Tinley, uh, likebeing.com, creative thinker, sound designer, general all-around good person. Thanks for joining oh, us. And I'm going to go, uh, I'm sort of going, well, I'll go up to Dave Spears there. Dave Spears there, who's uh, still working. You can see we're going to tear him away from his computer. Just one more piece of support, Dave, before <laughs> Dave Spears, g4software.com. Or are you uh, approaching level 10 on Angry Birds? Oh, I've done all of the Angry Birds and all the add-on packs. Yep. How do you find the time? How do you find the time? I don't. Oh, well, it I... finds me. Ah, now there's an exciting con. I've never thought of that. That's I like that. How do you find the time? I don't. It finds me. That's that's deep, man. Deep and impenetrable. Just like you. Yes. Well, Dave. Anyway, pleased to see you. Pleased to see you. Uh, as I said earlier, I think in the pre-show, um, you appear to have even more of a f- studio tan than last week, or is it just the light of that? You've just happened to have a blue light emanating from your monitor this week, as opposed to a yellow one. <laughs> No, it's true. I haven't been out. I haven't been out for days. Oh. Days and days. I did go out one evening uh, the weekend. That was good. And then ended up catching some stomach bug or something. Oh. So that put pay to the next few days. And I was trying to work whilst running to the toilet. Outside is overrated. Yeah, no, I don't like the outside. It's full of bugs and stuff like that. Mind you, this room's full of bugs. Yeah, but at least they're <laughs> your, your very own. <laughs> Indeed. Well, anyway, thank you for joining us, uh, Dave Spears. And then down in the uh, other corner there, I'm, do- I'm still looking at just a swirly box of me not really doing very much. I can see you, though, Rich Hilton. I see you. How are you, Rich? Rich Hilton, of course, is studio guy, pianist, keyboard player, producer, engineer, uh, resident at Nile Rogers Personal Studio, as well as all over the world at various times. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. Very well, thanks. Good. That's good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. I'm glad everybody is well. Right, I'm going to try and navigate. This mm-hmm. is very disconcerting because I usually can see myself, but I cannot see myself. I've got a spinny box. But I am told that uh, at least my Skype people can see it, um, if not the uh, outside world. So that's, that's a shame. I'm sorry, terribly sorry about that. Right, let's have a look. What's our first one? Ah, yes, this was my... I enjoyed this. Let's enjoy it some more. Right, let's have a look. Where is it? Uh, ah, yes, here we go. これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ、これ
。ギャレージバンド、ギャレージバンド。I thought he was very funny.、Uh, and then this is the other clip. I buy a sort of juxtaposition. This is the more corporate presentation. There we are. We see. For those of you not being able to see, this is, is a, something being clipped onto a rather grubby white dap. Yes, very nicely paced, measured, nice text overlays, all that stuff. But ultimately, what would you prefer? The first one was、uh, the rather absolutely insane. Uh, I don't know if I can pronounce his,、uh, his, his name. Jed Saiduk. Jed Saiduk. Jed s a i d u Oh, I'm never going to get this right. Jed Daisuke, which is,、uh, I think he's a Japanese guy. He's、uh, really excited about the Korg Nanopad 2. And it's obviously a,、uh, an enthusiast made that particular video.、Uh, hooks up to Garage Baron, wigs out. I thought it was rather compelling. Or you've got the sort of the more measured corporate approach of the Wave Drum Mini. Uh, how to clip the external microphone onto your. Sh- sorry, sorry, I beg your, do beg your pardon. I, I, I was just trying to illustrate the fact that, you know, which would you prefer as a sort of、uh, viral kind of getting the message out kind of thing? I just thought that what a massive juxtaposition of approaches there. Dave Spears. <laughs> <laughs> This is a sort of non topic. I just actually wanted to play. Marketing topic. Yeah. It's not really. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed Go that. Go for it, Dave. Did you, it's we, a we, great topic. It's a great topic.、Uh, I don't like any of them. No, that's a complete lie. That, <laughs> that guy's just brilliant. <laughs> all demos should be done like that with sense of humour and a little bit of passion. This goes back to a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? We, we, you, I don't think we got to a lot of the demo, a lot of the videos that you'd sent through、uh, due to time and whatever. But、um, they were just all really kind of monotone. And it's just, I just find all that really dull and just so boring. Whereas this is engaging. Thank you.、Mm. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. And in fact, even that second video was fine. Yeah, no, it But was. But the first guy, it's just that enthusiasm. You need a little bit of infectious enthusiasm. I find I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> given, given our time of life. Always helps. Yeah, yeah. I know, but actually, wasn't that the Wave Drum Mini looked kind of cool if you watch the whole video? In fact, there's a whole series of videos. And, and, and what was really interesting about that particular video was the fact that you could clip the contact mic goes on it, and then the actual acoustic resonance and sound of that object, whether it was like a tin full of you know, water or whatever, becomes part of the sound. You can hear that in the actual pickup, which I thought was quite interesting. I didn't really come across when I was、uh, shooting the demo at Mesa. I thought, now there's an interesting approach and use yeah, of the pizza pickup. Like that a lot, actually. Yeah, that does look good.、Um, I'm not sure what else to offer. I think I might have talked myself into a bit of a cul de sac. Rich, <laughs> help me out here. Say something. Well, I'll, the first guy's enthusiasm was joyful and enjoyable, and I dug his, it was great. It was enjoyable to watch. The second thing was cool, too, but it's like watching a video of an alligator clip. In other words, you have no idea what this thing what is connected, connected to. <laughs> you don't know what's going on behind it. You just see an alligator clip with a wire coming off of it <laughs> attached to something, and you hear some sound. And as much as I appreciate the fact that you can do all of that, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. Well, I can tell you what it is. It's the Wave Drum Mini.、Oh, <laughs> I think there's a series of videos if that, I, I,、um, where they go into the individual elements, and I think you can clip it. You get two contacts. So you get the little pad, then you get the clip. And the, so you can use a foot or you know, a couple of different things or something with acoustic properties. There was some other good stuff where they, they clipped it to a table and just hit the table with some mallets. So it looked like a xylophone. That was kind of pretty. Yeah, cool. I, watched, I watched the whole thing. It was, it was cool. I mean, the things But, you、yes. could do were cool. What's doing it? How it, is it doing it? It needed, needed some context. I agree. There was no context. What? Is the, what is it other than a contact mic? Because you've been able to do that with contact mics since the beginning of Sand, according <laughs> to Diego Stacco. Well, so, that's true. what is it other than a contact mic on an alligator clip?、Um, well, it's got a trigger. I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to know. Gas. What is it? And what's it connected to? And what does it do? I mean, I don't know. It, Gaz, yeah, the video is great. Yeah, Gaz, <laughs> did you, if you feel compelled to buy any, either or both of those products on the、uh, video demonstrations you've, you've just recently witnessed?、Um, well, I, I mean, the Wedrum Mini does look really good. I've,、uh, for years, I was always thinking it'd be great to have like, a, a drum pad you can actually strap to your, your thigh because you know, tapping on your leg is,、uh, is quite comfortable. You know? so, so the actual 
body of the wave drum itself has got like a, a, a thigh strap, I think. So you can actually strap that part to your leg and then the clip comes off and you can clip it onto something else. So you can get that nice kind of dual motion, you know, which is great for sort of beats and stuff. Um, brilliant idea. I mean, Korg seem to just really keep bringing out these kind of very novel, fun, relatively cheap, uh, I mean, because what's that now? Is that 250 quid uh, UK? Um, yeah, 249. 249. 249. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, yeah, but it doesn't have any USB connection, no, no MIDI it's, connection. It has none of that. You're right. So, so it sort of straddles that kind of uh, toy, serious kind of... Um, uh, you know, they're very similar to the Chaosolator, their first Chaosolator. Uh, really great, fun little thing, but sort of limited in that you've got. Well, I, like think the, I think the style. idea, again, with a lot of their stuff, it's the real time aspect of it. Um, uh, incidentally, we're yeah. just about to do, we've got a video of the Wave Drum Oriental about to be uh, published which has got a bunch more sounds in it and hasn't addressed any of the I.O. business. And they're actually charging more for it. It's like 300 bucks more, which is kind of uh, just an aside. Um, not quite sure what the, uh, what the justification of that is. I mean, I guess those, uh, all that um, sample data must cost a lot of money to, uh, to squeeze in, particularly as it's got no interface. They must actually have to put it in with tweezers. So maybe it's the, uh, you know, maybe it's the additional bit of... Um, uh, Labour, I don't know. Mark, what do you think? You're going to get either or both of those. Which video do you prefer? I like the uh, Japanese man. I think he's fabulous. Brilliant. Mm. Um, am I going to get either of those? Probably not. And the reason I'm probably not going to get them is because um, it looks to me, in both instances, like there's a lot of programming going on behind the scenes of that interface. So... So just the mere fact that he can play a scale across that pad, which is, I mean, the same as the Chaosolator, of course, but it, it sort of smacks of being, you know, like I want to program my own back end to it. So I suppose I, I just sort of see this, you know, little XY pad on an a iPhone on one of yeah. those uh, Touch OS. I'll just program it all up to do what I actually wanted to do rather than being constrained and frustrated by what they've asked it to do. Um, the wave drum thing, again, I, I want to know what's happening behind him just hitting that contact because, because when he clipped it to the table and hit the table with xylophone sticks, those big paddy things, yeah. um, he appeared to be able to play through like a sequence of... Um, yeah, I think that's down to velocity thought, or something. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, it's got to be. But I thought, okay, well, there's something happening here to do with the relationship with the position of the microphone. The microphone can hear the difference in sound, so it, it knows to play higher notes further away from it or whatever, but it wasn't that at all. because, And then it didn't seem to just be stepping through a sequence because he was able to play faster kind of roles in that. So I'd want to know I don't how know. and why it's doing it's it. It's a mystery. Then, it's a mystery. It's a black box then, mystery. But yep. then, if it's doing if it's doing something clever in the background that nobody else has done yet, then I want it because I want <laughs> to be able to program it to do things I want it to yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, there's not much programming ability going on. Again, it's a closed it's a closed interface, but it's a lot cheaper than the uh, than the, the than the major wave drum. Anyway, I just thought it was a bit of fun. I don't want to dwell on it too much because <laughs> obviously uh, we've covered both of them at Music Matter. I, I have to say that I was struggling a bit for news this week when I started the topic list, so that's my. <laughs> That's that's my uh, mitigating circumstances, Millard. Uh, I'm having to flip between the whole camera and me and you guys because it doesn't seem to want to um, to show me on the on the screen on the square. So we've got celebrity squares and me in a big sort of out of focus kind of Logitech kind of blur blurry webcam. Yes, I think I'm just a logo at the moment. That's all it's come to. Uh, anyway, uh, right. So the next topic. Uh, let me see. I'm just going to move myself around. Uh, what was that? Uh, oh, the paper record player. That was really cool, I thought, actually. Let me see if I got that. Yeah, nice. Here it comes. Quite slow. Obviously, it's made of paper.
we have to wait for the trees to grow. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's it's a visual thing. Hold on, the suspense. Yeah, come on. They're very measured. Okay, here it comes. <laughs> Some music coming now. Spin record at 45 RPM. Go on, then. All right, I fully, I fully admit that that perhaps didn't make compelling viewing. But that was, in fact, the uh, record paper, record player made from paper uh, and a flexi disc, uh, which was a sort of wedding invitation <laughs> made by, uh, designed by uh, Kelly Anderson uh, to the, it was for her friends Karen and Mike, which, who presumably must have had either a massive budget or Kelly is a very wealthy woman and just likes to do nice things for her friends. Either one is entirely possible, of course. Um, so, uh, Anyone enjoy that? I feel like I told you it was a slow new week, news week. <laughs> Dave, God, for God's sake, stop laughing and help me out. Uh, it was... Go on. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And I, I wish I could do something, you know, the same. I just, I absolutely loved it. I just, I lo- um, my whole introduction to sound was... Uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica, Children's Encyclopedia Britannica. We had this kind of 20-volume set, and uh, uh, there was this experiment that you could do in the back where you made a paper cone and then stuck a pin through it, and I systematically destroyed all my dad's records by kind of <laughs> testing them out. With <laughs> so any of those mechanical kind of things that make sound, I just love them. I think it's brilliant. Um, Rob GS in the chat room says you can do the same thing with a needle through a piece of A4, apparently. I've never tried that. Gaz, you seem to be the sort of person that may well have tried this kind of thing out in the past. Oh, no, I haven't, I'm afraid. Um, oh! <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really nice... Uh, I mean, as a wedding invitation, it's lovely, isn't it? If you got one of them through the post, you'd be... Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it almost, it almost looks a bit like one of Tara's box set, kind of uh, Tara Bush's box sets, doesn't it? Rich, stop laughing and yeah. pay attention. And help, help no, us I actually loved it. First of all, I loved this thing, and I so much prefer it to those single oscillator noisy cards that play obnoxious melodies oh, at really yeah. high frequency with no proper filtering and horrible Ooh, sound i so prefer it to that where you actually have to participate in making the thing play that the idea that you could custom make these things at home is really fascinating to me mm. but better still is the is the suggestion by our friend shane in the chat room that you remix the song by making origami cranes or no swans <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a really nice touch though isn't it uh Let's have a look. What's it? Uh, it's called the what? The Wind Up Girl is the song. I'm not quite sure uh, who wrote it. I'm just looking. Well, it was their original recording. Apparently, he's yeah. a recording engineer and she's a, an artist or something. And they they made the piece of music. Which is the really cool thing about it is if we could each, if you could make your Mother's Day car, if you could, it, it sort of goes back to Edison Cylinder in a way. It's really cool. If you could actually develop a way that you could record your own thing right onto the card. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, does, yeah. You and the kids singing or whatever and send it and have that person participate in spinning the thing around to get it to play back. That's a very cool thing. I like that. That would That's be really charming. nice if you could actually, ha- yeah, like you say, you could have something that would allow you to... Um create a flexi disc that you could then build into a paper kit like that would be fantastic well they did that's what they did basically they used their own music so the, the question is is there a way to develop a process that allows this to be, uh, to be some, some kind of massive that. stamp that you just kind of dunk. yeah i don't know we used to be able I'd to, like do, to all do that, that with records i'd like to do that with records in general actually well just stamp them out stamp them out you know what i mean yes wax a hot waxing a hottie as we used to say when we were uh, putting a mix to bed I'm not yeah, quite sure no, what uh, that what relevance that has. Waxing hot. There is now we're talking about something entirely different. <laughs> oh, Before I received this uh, topic list email from you, I actually had my '78 record player out on uh, Sunday because uh, Eastern Gina went away, and East came and was uh, in the bath, and I got the old '78 out and wound it up and put the thing. And I was explaining to him how the uh, the needle and the little drum thing and everything else worked. So it was very timely. 
lovely. Lovely. Well, anyway, if you want one of the, I, I don't, I'm, there's, there needs to be a kit, doesn't there? There needs to be somewhere you could just send an MP3 off to. They'll send you a flexi disc and a paper kit. There's, there's a business opportunity there for somebody. Dave, I'm sure you could, uh, you could do it as a, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of things. You could use it as what? Uh, well, maybe it wouldn't work as a kind of uh, sounds demonstration disc for, um, for any synthesizers or anything. But um, I don't know. It'd be kind of fun. <laughs> be quite good wouldn't it the funny thing is when they i had this kind of playing in the background and uh the first bit obviously is really grainy and scratchy and low fi and then all of a sudden it got more hi-fi and i was like wow how are they getting the bandwidth out of that paper <laughs> uh, do you think they they flipped over to the original yeah they yeah. did cheaters <laughs> uh, oh that's no good then this topic is officially over that's absolutely got that's not <laughs> Uh, let me see what else have I got. That, that, I must have some more some more things. I've got something that might actually involve technology. Hold on, I'm looking for it. <laughs> oh, so for some reason, for some reason, I haven't actually done that one. What on earth was I thinking? Uh, I'll see if I can play it here. I'll see if I can play it here. I might be able to get get the thing to play. The next one's actually cool. The the Leipzig, yeah. Except I haven't actually got the video ready for that, which is a bit. Not, not that you could see what they were doing with that in the video either, but it's still oh, here it comes. Whoa! <laughs> here we go. Stand by. The sequencer can be controlled via multiple sources, says the title of the video that you folks can't see at all. Ooh, that does sound very beefy here in my headphones. Oh, so I was getting lost in music there, or not in music, but, you know, in the synthesizer. That's the sound of the Analog Solutions Leipzig, which I didn't know about. I don't know why I've not heard about this, but it just seems like, um, seems to have gotten under the radar. I'm sure many of you probably have heard about this, um, but um, not myself. Uh, basically, that's a pure analog voice and modulation circuitry, fat MOOC style filter, two VCOs with glide and sub-VCOs, oscillator sync, cross-mod, modulation, analog step sequencer with clocking options, audio input can be used as sound processor, rugged steel, aluminium connection, uh, MIDI for software, sequencer control. Seven, six, 659 quid uh, coming to stock in about four weeks. Dave, have you, uh, did you hear about this? Because I, I thought Analog Solutions did uh, modular stuff, and I'm completely just a bit... I... Think you're confusing them with analog systems. I always, William, I it? always do. Yes, I'm terribly sorry. Yeah. No, it's an easy, uh, easy mistake to make actually. And I, I think Bob Williams stuff is great, but I do like a lot of the analog solution stuff. They do that little Vostok thing and the semblance as well. And both of those I've kind of checked out and thought, hmm, very nice. And this sounded great, I have to say. Is the semblance uh, a sem kind of uh, thing? Yeah. Well, you'd thought it'd have to be, really, wouldn't it? Of course, of course, it is. Yeah. Hmm, yeah, they do that Obercorn sequencer and stuff like that. All good stuff, actually. Oh, Mike. Tasty. Tasty. Uh, Rich, it, did it, I don't know much about this. I'm, I'm guessing it's, it doesn't look like it's a, a synth that's been modelled on a particular... You know, it's not like a, a sound-alike. It's just a, a new synth, which has got a bit of extra features, which is kind of nice. You know, you don't often see a lot of that. Yeah. It's always a bit of a sound-alike or do-alike. Anything special about no. it? No. Uh, well, it, I... It was hard to tell. Again, in the video, it's hard to tell. They don't really show you what he's doing. I could tell just by listening most of what he was doing, but then there's a whole range of things I would have wanted to do to hear it that he unfortunately doesn't do. But the things he does do sound great. And it, I love the versatility of the sequencer. I like the way it was clockable from the outside world from practically anything. The filter really sounded pretty good, though I would have wanted to give it a little more of a workout with the envelopes. And uh sure. And uh, I would like to hear the oscillators more clearly. It was the same thing I had with the Schmidt. I just can't tell about these oscillators. I mean, I could tell they do that well, but I, got, I need to hear the top end of these oscillators to know, to know what I'm filtering. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I think the thing is, is that's the sort of uh, grab the attention and get everybody, ooh, sexy kind of funky, Right, no, funky and it was, and it's stuff, great. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I'd like to see 10 more like it with other kinds of sounds represented <laughs> doing other kinds of things. Seriously, because it really sounded great doing that. Mm. Gaz, is this going to... Sorry, go, go, Rich, yeah. I just, I imagine a room full of these, like, little new devices like this and Tiny Sizer and uh, just a lot of these things. We saw one or two of them at the last show at the Mesa where... There was a guy displaying a little synthesizer with a built-in sequencer that was really cool, and you could skip like steps and stuff in it, and it was, it did all kinds of really cool stuff. I mean, you could build a really nice little analog, set, you know, synth rig these days out of these new products. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Gaz, are you? Um, I know you've been sort of pondering the idea of getting a modular system together and. Uh, or maybe yeah. some comp- uh, components-based analog things. Is this, uh, is this something Definitely. that's uh, taken your attention? Yeah, it's really nice. It's uh, very, very nice. Uh, I, I love the the look of it and the, the knobs, everything about that. I thought it, was, it looked very enticing, you know, um, which I think is a big part of it with these designs, isn't it? You know, just to sort of yeah, yeah, absolutely. make you want, want to sort of... Uh, uh, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm really excited about taking a step into sort of, you know, modular analog systems. And um, so I'm going to really start investigating a lot more what is out there. Um, I mean, it's something like that. Uh, I mean, that's a fairly standalone system, wasn't it? In the, um... Yeah, I'm not sure. It doesn't look like it's got... Um... CV and, and gate control, according to the bullet points I have, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's right. certainly got MIDI control. Uh, it's not clear mm-hmm. on that. Dave, I don't suppose you know, do you? I don't know. Not so. No. Yeah, because I, th- I think now it's actually interesting because, you know, we've after so, so many years of like, oh, it's got to have MIDI, it's now actually, well, I'd actually quite like it to have CV because you get mm-hmm. a sort of better resolution and the stepping's different. And Mark, are you kind of, I know you're. You're kind of, you know, you you much more MIDI rather than CV. But I mean, do you not think it's uh, it would be great just to no, be I able like to? So. Yeah. Well, first of all, it sounded amazing. I'm listening to it on a tiny little Toshiba netbook, and anything mm-hmm. on here sounds crap. And suddenly there's this mm-hmm. thing on YouTube, right? The YouTube <laughs> resolution on these tiny speakers, and I'm like, wow, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. And then as it sort of progressed, it's making all the noises that I'd like to be able to make that you probably can't make with some of the digital stuff in the computer. So all of this kind of wow, wow, wow kind of noises, like. And just having instant access to being able to turn a knob and make it do that—it's really cool. Really cool. But I, I think, I'm yeah, I think I think what Gaz, what you were saying was right about the uh, this sort of hybrid system. I mean, now because I've got uh, as soon as we get the case through, the Monorocket guys are sending us a lovely Harvestman orange uh, case to go with uh, the the Dope for modules that just arrived. We're going to start. Uh, I think I'm going to start. I want to get the expert sleepers thing in there and start getting having some big fun with that because we talked about that, and that's the thing that really excites me at the moment. Mm. Um, this hybrid kind of business, uh, yeah. definitely, and, and the idea of just being able to take a big case. Because with the Dofer, I bought a. Um, we got a uh, USB MIDI CV interface so that it will just plug in either to a MIDI keyboard or a computer or whatever you want really, and you just plug it straight in, and you've got instant integration there. And I'm looking very much forward to that mm. in a big way. So watch this space. But it does yeah. seem like there's more, you know, we're getting more and more, um, as, as, we, as we've said numerous occasions, you know, there, there is, seems to be a proliferation of new synthesizer design, which is very encouraging. I mean, I can only assume, well, it means one of two things. It either means that there are a lot, maybe it's due to the proliferation of the internet and the fact that you can stay at home and be very focused, shall we say, uh, and not have to get out much and just work on, on your own ideas in your own little room. Either it's because there's been a social... Uh, uninclusion in in uh, modern life, or it's because it's actually worth it, and there's a whole bunch of uh, people who think oh, actually we could sell a few of these. I don't know which do you think it is, Dave? I don't know, probably a combination of both. It's interesting because years and years ago, when I first met Bob Moak, he talked about the whole the beauty of making hardware on the kitchen table. Right. And that kind of always stuck with me. And at the time, he was like, well, you can't do that anymore, you know, but you can obviously do software now. And then, uh, and now this seems to be, it almost seems to be sort of reversing a little bit. And I like the idea, you know, it's that British man in shed thing, isn't it? Yeah. Making things. 
Absolutely. Well, I, that's that, that's why I kind of like the idea of getting hold of Reactor and maybe kind of building some things, you know, virtually, because I have no idea or concept of electronics. It's something that's passed me by completely. I mean, I know which terminals of a battery have to be connected to which end, but that's pretty much it. I'm a, very much a round-the-front panel rather than anything to do with round-the-back sort of guy. But, yeah, I, I, um, anyway, great stuff. Analog Solutions, Leipzig, um, four weeks. A metaphor in there somewhere. There probably is, yeah. There's a, uh, uh, four weeks to go uh, till they get stock. And there we go. Oh, I've, I've nearly forgotten. I forgot to mention uh, our fabulous sponsors. Of course, we like to say hello to Yamaha, who are our sponsors for uh, this week's show. And um, indeed, many others. What you're seeing now, if you're watching the live video feed, is a beautiful flyby of the new N-Series mixer. Uh, the N8 and N12, uh, 8 and 8 and 12 channel respectively. What they are is they've got the kind of Yamaha analog pedigree uh, for which uh, they do have a long history. And uh, they've added a FireWire audio interface. There's also uh, new mic preamps, RevX uh, class effects, processing a sweet spot morphing compressor on each channel. Uh, they're developed with, uh, within Yamaha's own K-Labs physical modeling uh, from the modeling team. So characterized N mic preamp, sweet spot morphing compressor, advanced integration with Cubase. In fact, it comes with Cubase AI, high Z input for direct guitar or record or bass recording, wide range musical EQ, high resolution uh, effects, fully integrated pro level monitoring suite, aux sends for us, aux sends for artist monitoring or external processing, dry or wet monitoring control, 24 bit, 96 K digital quality. And uh, once again, firewire connectivity. So you get, uh, in my opinion, one of the finer buses available today, <laughs> obviously, until we get to Thunderbolt. Um, but this is aimed at the serious musician with hardware mindset, home studio, where the quality is essential, educational recording products on the mo- projects on the move. It's designed to improve in the workflow and sort of just integrate into your kind of computer and real-world interfacing. So uh, we want to say thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Yamahasynth.com, you can go and check them out. Uh, and... Um, also, you'll be able to find out uh, a Pulse store near you in the UK where you've, they've got these things on show. You can feed some audio through it, check it out, to see what it listens, listens like, listens like, what it sounds like, see what the compressors sound like, what the EQ's like, the effects, all that kind of thing. Same opportunity in the US, I'm sure. Uh, just get to a Yamaha store or a store that's got a big Yamaha presence and they'll have them in stock and you'll be able to check it out fully. So once again, thank you to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. And remember, head to yamahasynth.com. So, folks, uh, let me see what's next on the list. I think I've got something there. No, Rich, I'm not sure what you held up there. I saw it in the background of the, uh, of the, uh, of the um, when I was doing the ad. What was that then? I want to have a look. I'm going to flip to you. That appears to be Nile Rogers' new body. CBD. I can't see. I Japanese. can't quite. Ah, Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Oh, okay, is, and that's is that remastered stuff or new? Is that stuff from the J- Japanese gigs you did? It's uh, actually an entire side of Sheik, entire disc of Sheik, an entire disc of his productions, and it finishes with the collaboration between Sheik and Cool and the Gang that I mixed about, I don't know, a month and a half ago, two months ago. Ah, cool. And is I've that, been working on for some of the last year. Yeah. Is that new recordings then? The one at the end is. The oh. rest of it's retrospective history, you know, career, producer career and Sheik stuff. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And that's out, available now in, in the world, or is it just in no, Japan? No, I think it's in Japan. I don't know if it's in the world. I know it's in Japan. I don't know if it's anywhere else. Well, if you're in Japan, folks, go check This is a check. Japanese copy. So for those of you who are really, really, uh, you know, fanatical about such things, help yourself. Coolio. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is my only copy, so, you know. Well, there it is. You saw it first here. Thanks for that, Rich. And uh, once again, thanks to YamahaSynth.com uh, or YamahaDownload.com for their continued sponsorship of the show. Um, we've also got, um, obviously, uh, we can't have failed to see uh, that Diego Stocker has been at it again. Mm. He's been commissioned to do the DTS sound signature. Uh, I couldn't get the video to record, so I'm going to try and play a clip of the sound that I've got here. Let me just make sure that this is working. Ah, yes, here it comes.
I think that last bit was the actual sting itself. But uh, Diego's done a brilliant video uh, where he's uh, the recording of the sounds uh, for the DTS, uh, which I'm, is DTS a recording process? I'm, I'm not actually sure what DTS is. Rich, do you know? Digital theater sound, perhaps. Ah, okay. I'm so, not 100% sure, but it's something like that. Is it a bit like sort of Dolby Logic Pro, you know, so it's like a system that you use for monitoring home theater? Oh, yeah. Oh, ah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, it's a very, very widely used uh, alternative to Dolby in terms of the presentation of digital surround. It's another digital surround compressed format that supports multiple channel audio discreetly. And it's, it's not some sort of wacky decoder at the back end, although they do that too, like Dolby does, to try to synthesize the stereo. But there's an actual format that's been around for ages. Some people prefer it. Um, and it sounds good at its best. And Diego's, once again, done incredibly interesting and very productive work and i love watching him work it's great isn't it he's he's got he's nailed he's sort of he's nailed it in the same way that um some artists are great at talking about their work which makes them all the more of an interesting package diego is really good to watch making his work as well so he's kind of he's really sort of nailed that really well um let me just read a little bit about it It says in this making of a video you'll see some of the recording sessions i did when i created the dts sound signature uh he designed sounds out of milk lentils and water balloons uh for the musical parts he wanted to use uh, tracks recorded with old pianos he likes their way of being uniquely out of tune uh, brilliant stuff though brilliant stuff I, I must admit i did fear for that pair of microphones that were over the large bowl of uh, milk because i noticed they yeah. did have some yeah. milk, milk on them which did seem perhaps um i don't know i was a bit i was a bit distressed at that and also when he was setting up the water balloons um the the pair that were a bit further away he didn't cover in um, in cellophane, and that looked like perhaps that was unwise because he himself was completely covered in water. So you, you're thinking that maybe Diego's not the best person from whom to purchase used microphones then? I'm almost, cer- <laughs> I'm almost certain of it. Almost certain of it. I think he'd have to have an alter ego. It may also be of interest that he's done a video recently that, or pictures or something. His experibase collapsed, or part of it collapsed. Oh, no. Did it twig? Oh, yeah. and, and in the dark of night, all of a sudden, there was a horrendous crash. And he went in to discover that one or two of the smaller bridges that he had attached to the, to the overall base body itself had uh given way and oh, uh no. there's there's photo documentation of this so any of you diego stocker fans may find this also entertaining oh yeah no that sounds brilliant um rich your video has frozen uh, you may want to just um pop it in and pop it out oh, yeah. and it might uh, it might well come back i know D- dave you introduced me to diego and uh i, I i'm forever grateful to because uh, it's always interesting watching his stuff um, but, I mean, what he did, it sounded like he slowed some stuff really far down. I mean, I think the sting at the end, I mean, what is it? It's like 15 seconds at the most. It's kind of very yeah. creative stuff. But all of that work gone into this tiny little sting. It just seems seems like um, an enormous amount of stuff. But the point is, is getting documenta- documenting it seems like absolutely a must for some, something like this. Yeah, I'm just kind of really envious that he gets to work outside. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've told him that on several occasions. There's no rain where you are, Diego. <laughs> yeah, but very, very good. I mean, blimey. And even the pictures are really quite sexy. That fun, that API 10-slot little large box thing is just gorgeous. Yeah, uh, did you notice the way he when he was, uh, he was recording the mill and then suddenly he just turned up the gain by, I look like, kind of 60 dB for a bit yeah. more, so to get a bit closer. And that's when the milk started sparring. Yeah. I don't Mark, because you do quite a lot of uh, natural fan sound recording stuff, don't you, with your uh, uh, binaural head mics, right? I do, yes. I have to say, the whole thing makes me absolutely green with envy. <laughs> and it's fabulous stuff, isn't it, really? I mean, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. have a, I, I don't have full-time employment going around making weird noises, well, at the moment. And just to see somebody doing something like this and to turn it into that, it's just brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, what else can I say? It's just... Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. He's a very lucky man. Um, Kosh, Koshud. Kosh Dukai in the chat room, uh, Dave Spears says, you need some giant LCD wall screens with countryside images, which I can recommend. In fact, if you're looking for a deal, I've got these Iyama 24-inch uh, monitors, and they've got a wicked picture on them. 
and they're about yeah. they're only about 150 quid i think so yeah plus you know plus tax yeah. or whatever but yeah real good stuff have they been around diego much no, not at all. They've still got. In fact, these ones have still. Oh. They've still got the cellophane on them because I thought I'd burn them in a bit before I actually took. You know, before you get rid of the boxes, because yeah, usually give them a week. Them, in the week, they'll go wrong, and then you think, "Oh, I threw all the packaging away. What an idiot!" Does I've anybody um, know Diego's eBay user ID? Just yeah. so we can We should. We should definitely not. I wonder what his user <laughs> feedback's like. Yeah. Well, I got the mics, <laughs> and frankly, I was a bit disappointed with the condition of them. It said hardly used. And Diego's, Diego's well, well, they were hardly used. It's just that I used them for recording splashes of salt water. Yeah. Bottom <laughs> of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, has anyone ever had to do any of these kind of really short sting work? I mean, you know, because we've, talk, we've talked about doing jingle work before, but this is kind of even more micro than jingle, isn't it? This is kind of super tiny, super te- teeny tiny sort of 10, ten seconds um, stuff. I mean, I've had a go a little bit of a go, but I think I did something for Apple and a few other bits and pieces mm. a long time back. Anyone ever had a chance to do that? Dave? Yeah, I did some with uh, Dave Jameson, weirdly enough. for, And I've remembered the name of the network, CW Network in America. So there you go. No one knows. No one's heard of CW Network, obviously. Um, no, but they had like they all have. the trendy shows like Heroes and Lost and all that kind of stuff. I seem uh-huh. to remember. We spent bloody days and days on these things, sort of toing and froing, and it was good fun actually. Really good fun. Gaz, I've just seen in the chat room you were uh, waiting for an opportunity to get your smelly mic story in, so I feel that we have to halt <laughs> proceedings and just reintroduce you with the opportunity to tell us about yeah. the smelly mic story. You always, we can always guarantee that Gaz is ready there to uh, lower the tone and bring us all down to earth. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I've got to offer, really. But, um, oh. No, it's just because somebody was talking about uh, smelly mics um, in the chat room, and I just heard a story today, a friend who I'm working with um, today, uh, he, he works as a live sound engineer in a, in a club and uh, they get these kind of like dance music people coming in who are really quite disrespectful to, to sort of the equipment and yeah. whatever. And, um, and like the MCs, they put a piece of rotten pepperami in the MCs mic. <laughs> it's been there for months now. So when the, that's the mic they always give to the MC. <laughs> and it's apparently, oh. it apparently Dicks really, really bad. I like you know, they sort of uh, they do all the in this smelly mark, and uh, so that was it really. So. <laughs> no, it's been, actually, there's an interesting thought. You know, the, there's always the, there's the the story about putting uh, prawns in the curtain rods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pra- a prawn <laughs> in the end of a mic. Oh. Yeah, so they've, un- they've unscrewed it, put it in, screwed it back in. You know. <laughs> so what club was that again? No, don't tell us. Oh no. <laughs> But anyway, I mean, short, short and sweet things. I mean, it, it is amazing. Dave, you were saying that it took you days. And it does because you, it, the timing and the interest here, particularly, did, were you working to an animation or did you have uh, just, just a time limit to work to? Yeah, we had a logo animation. Um, and there was obviously a time limit as well. But yeah, I think we ended up doing about 20. Actually, it's quite a funny story because I think we did about 20 and then they all went off. They chose their favourite ones. And then I think CW Network got bought out by somebody else. So I don't know whether they ever got used after that. But hey, doesn't matter. Oh, isn't that always the way? It's... Do you know the the story of Brian Eno when he was asked by Microsoft to make the the Microsoft Sound? Um, this was in I think for was it it was Windows ninety five or Windows ninety eight? Um, like the piano, boom, ding, 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 ding. What? Um, uh, our little Windows Sound. Um, and Brian Eno was commissioned to do it, and I think at the time he was suffering from uh, writer's block. And uh, so he got commissioned to do that. And uh, they give him this big list of uh, adjectives of what this piece of music has to be. It has to be futuristic, optimistic, uh, has to be kind of inviting. And this huge big list of uh, descriptions and also four seconds long. (laughs) Um, So he worked really hard and he he made loads and loads of these. But the interesting thing was he said that after he'd been concentrating on these micro, micro arrangements, which were, yeah, four seconds, seven seconds long, whatever they were, once he'd actually finished that project and went back to working on sort of normal length pieces of music, he said it was just like, like luxurious um, 
you know, the, all this space that had opened out in, after working in such tiny, tiny, microscopic way. Oh, then, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. It's a bit like yeah. playing Tetris for too long. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> it's, I, it is I, it's weird. For, it is weird. I, I think that because I, I occasionally do things for like the beginning and ends of um, you know our sonic idents and what have you, and you know I always find that kind of a challenge. But I mean, I I don't I, I'm probably not as uh, careful as I should be. I don't take that long about it. It's just got to be not annoying. I think is the key as well, isn't it? Did, did they put that in the brief? I know, Rich, have you ever had to do anything like that? The really really short stuff. Uh fifteen second ad spots, but not 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 kind of like a DTS. Not not DTS kind of stuff. What about you, Mark? Yes, I have. I did something for. Um, I did something for. I think it was Music Box or a very early incarnation of MTV, which, which was about uh, seven seconds long or something, and it was, that was all done to picture. But I did it on an Atari ST to picture using Hybrid Art Synthy Track. So every time you got the bloody umatic machine going uh, the computer would just about pick up and then it would be over and then we were done and there was no way of getting the picture in the computer or getting anything in time you had to sort of try and work it out with the calculator where things ought to go that's a, that's a ter- what a terrible thing to have to do when you're trying to sink an actual physical mechanical transport to do a six, a six or seven oh, second sting you just <laughs> I, I, I almost think that's why it used to take people even longer than it does now, perhaps, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, you, need to, you almost need to just hire someone who could mime it efficiently, you know, at you. So you just <laughs> keep doing <laughs> it until... I could have slowed the whole thing down to half speed and sped it, and sped it back up again when I'd finished. I never thought about doing that. I think the tricky thing is to get the hit points, you know, what the hit point is, whether it's a logo splash or the tail or all of that stuff. God, it's, uh, yeah, but it is very difficult to... To think in those kind of micro terms, Dave, did you did you approach it in a very specific way? I mean, was there any different approach you had to it? I mean, how did you do it? I know you had to do lots of them. Did you just do do lots of them rather than finesse all of them, or did you narrow it down? How did it work? Sound design was the key, I think, really, and um, it was just really trying to create something. I mean, you've got a reasonably limited bandwidth to work with, both in terms of time and also on, you know your average domestic TV and stuff like that. So it was really trying to design sounds that were wide and spacious and deep and all the rest of it within that small time frame. So for me, it was sound. And then I'd fire them over to Dave and he'd kind of go, well, it's a bit... There was, I think there was one instance in this where the guy had come back and said, I need more saw. And we were like, is that S-O-R-E or S-A-W or S-O-A-R? Or... It was all those kind of communication things. Quite funny. But yeah. I, years and years ago, I did this thing for Microsoft. Does anyone remember downloadable sounds, DLS? Mm. And they were absolutely minuscule. You know, at the time, everyone was on sort of 9600 modems. Yeah. And they all had to, we had to try and make those sound as huge as possible. And they were kind of, they were taking these absolutely minuscule kind of sound particles and giving them to us and kind of then going, well, we want it to sound like this. And then giving us this kind of full on sound. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and it was me and a mate, um, me and a mate were working on it. And it was just like, it really was like pulling teeth. Ah, uh, no, oh. I haven't had to do that for a while. <laughs> Put, well, pull teeth or do very sh- those kind of ridiculously specified jobs. Yeah, good fun. I, don't know what I mean, I don't know what ever happened to this downloadable sound. I don't think it ever worked or happened. <laughs> Never well, heard I anything think some from of it. Ended up in Fruity Loops, didn't it? Fruity Loops had, had compatibility for DLS for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tried to kind of blank it from my mind. <laughs> and it ended up in some of the sample. The kind of sound blaster type sample players. Some some of them had DLS support as well. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, didn't, it have, didn't it have like thirty-two sounds from the general MIDI sound set, but only thirty-two sounds. So there were sort of only the sort of main instruments that you might want to hear. Yeah, I think you're right. Gaz, have you ever ever had to do any of this really, really short sound design, or is it mostly sort of edits of existing songs? I did a a little sting, yeah, that was about six or seven seconds long. Um, It wasn't used in the end, but it was uh, was interesting. I I, I do like to 
I, I've been trying to make some actually recently, um, and it, it, I, I think I say the same. I think in in this sound design, uh, doing it in sound design is very interesting. But um, I don't know. I'd like I'd like to do more of it. I think again back to something we talked about a few weeks ago. Just uh, any form of uh, creative restriction mm. just forces you have to, to make certain choices. That's and, an interesting and, one. No, right, your creative restriction mm. is six seconds. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Six seconds, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty restrictive kind of parameter to work with. It, mm. You don't really have to say too much more, do you? <laughs> um, I was going to actually ask if... I was talking about my super-fast song making that I've done in the past, um, like my five... I was wondering if I should... Uh, offer to do that on the podcast one week where I'll do a, I'll do a song from start to finish in five minutes. Oh, yeah. Um, That'd be awesome. <laughs> I think it'd be a challenge if we really know that would be to brilliant. do yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'll be up for that. I was thinking, okay. about, we're thinking about doing some other, a couple of things, sort of musical things. And one of them was uh, just kind of uh, improvisation sessions with one or two specific instruments, you know, like stuff that's new to market, you know, or pieces of software. So you kind of say, let's say the, uh, uh, the hollow, one of the hollow sun, the sun things and I don't know, Waldorf attack or some, some kind of, I'm just going to go, right. We're going to just group, just get something very simple together quickly. Uh, so that people can hear and see it happening in real time and also maybe kind of get Brilliant. involved and say, can it do this? Can it do that? As an idea of a, a sort of little live session that could be edited down into a, a piece that demonstrates stuff. Just thought mm. that might be an interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously, doing this live stuff is uh, is becoming all the rage. Um, <laughs> with uh, you know, Tara did a, an in the studio with you know just me messing around on synths, having a jam, and it seems like a really good. Uh, seems to be a lot more of this stuff coming on. So we're obviously pioneers here. We've been doing this for ages, haven't we, guys? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> At least a day or two. At least a day or two. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Um, but actually, that reminds me, let, there's one more topic, which I think I have a movie for, which I think we should check. Have I got time for it? The, the aftermarket touchscreen motion command. Yeah, there we go. Hi, this is Victor Wong, and I'm the CEO of Music Computing. And I'm here to talk to you today about a brand new product for our Music Computing uh, Motion Command line of multi-touch screens. And that is the new Motion Command frame. And as you can see, it looks like a picture frame. It's got a nice black border, piece of tempered glass. Uh, but the real magic is inside the frame here because there are transmitters and receivers that make this into a multi-touch screen. And uh, this is an add-on product, which means you can take this and add it onto your LCD monitor or TV and instantly turn that into a multi-touch screen. So it really brings new life to uh, products and uh, uh, displays that you already have um, and uh, brings it into the new uh, touch world. Um, I won't play the whole thing. I mean, it goes on to uh, demonstrate how you stick it onto an old monitor and how it kind of works. It's not when it says multi-touch; it's actually two-touch, but that still gets enough uh, for pinch and what have you. Um, so you know, I, I think it's probably adequate, uh, but it's an interesting idea. I thought. Um, I, did uh, did anyone recognise Victor from the Open Labs uh, days? Uh, that's where I knew him from. You know, it was driving me nuts for a while. Yeah, I think this must be his new company that uh, they do it. But it, this could be a good idea. I'm not sure that I'm not sure how you'd mount it because I'm not sure that I'd want to be kind of reaching like this all the time, all day. I'm sure that would do wonders for your neck or back or whatever. But interesting, it doesn't seem very expensive. Let's have a look. What is it? Um, the uh, starting at 199 bucks, it'll do a 17 inch. Uh, right. So it's more expensive than the monitor you connected to. Well, yeah, but it's doing something different to the monitor. <laughs> Well, when did you buy an add-on product like that? The last time you spent more for the add-on than you did for the product to which you're adding it on. Uh, and secondarily, when he said that this thing is really, really going to stay on there because our double-sided sticky tape is, is industrial strength, did that make anybody else nervous? Yeah, I did. I'd, I'd actually would rather have um, just clipped it on or had it screwed on in some way, yes, I must admit, or held on with some elastic bands maybe. <laughs> I mean, I wish him luck, but I really think selling aftermarket add-on products for things that cost less than your add-on is a tricky business. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Um, I, I, I think the way the way that they seem to be selling it was more... was kiosk, wasn't it? It was kiosk use, so you just put it in a in a in a box, and it's just for a way for people to access your products. I don't know. It just looked like an interesting way of uh, of repurposing. Um, 
but perhaps I'm wrong. I don't know, Dave, can you see, could you see, I don't know how, what the resolution was like. It looked like it was pretty good, right? It didn't look too bad. My first thought was I could have a giant one, couldn't I, with outside displayed on it, and I could touch the outside world. You could reach to it, yeah. <laughs> perhaps you could. Oh, look, this I sense a theme emerging here, Dave. <laughs> I think yes. you need a few plants. You need some plants in that room, man. I know what's coming yeah. on Christmas. Yeah, you need a, pot, a potted plant of some kind. I know, Mark. Would you would you, would you use something like this, or do you think? Because I mean, I know you're. This, uh, this, yeah, is, this is the one thing that you know. I think the one thing that we didn't mention is you know once you've been using a touch device for a long time, anything else that is approaching the dimensions of it, you automatically begin to reach for. It. You think, oh no, I can't touch it. Whereas this would sort of break yeah. down that barrier a little bit. Uh, how much does a touch screen seventeen inch monitor cost? Because you can buy them, right? They're only about four hundred quid, aren't they? Yeah, I suppose, but that's still 400 quid's worth when of... It, I guess when it gets bigger and bigger, then it starts to sort of make sense. But then, again, how does it work? How is it sensing the fingertips and everything? And I don't abs- know, I want to try it out. I just, and I think, I mean, I kind of was sort of looking at it thinking, okay, well, that would be kind of cool. Because, I mean, I'd like to have a big laptop that had the touch screen and I didn't have a keyboard on, but then why don't I just buy an iPad if I want that, right? Yeah, there is um, that. But, um, you know, it, it's got a, that technology has got to find its way into everything eventually, hasn't it? And it's sort of the next step on, really, for everything to lose its keyboard and have a touch screen interface that doesn't wear out or break or anything else. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought it was, like I said, it was a slow news week. I did the best I could, given, <laughs> given what I had to work with. I mean, I, was try- I couldn't think of any way of, uh, of incorporating the uh, royal wedding into, the, uh, into it, as everybody else seems to have been able to do. I uh, couldn't think of a tech, a tech angle for that. And I, and I figured that at least one of the panel would not appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, take- I'm, I'm guessing that would probably be you, Mark, right? I didn't watch it at all. I have absolutely no idea what happened. I don't even know really what they looked like. So <laughs> they could walk past me on the street and I wouldn't know it was them. So um, and not because I'm not a royalist, but just because I think it's a little bit oh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, well. kind of over the top, really. And I think the royal family are great, but I don't really, I just, you know. You weren't invited to the wedding. Brother's wedding but <laughs> I'm not really interested yes, in it's that a weird wedding. concept, isn't it? You know, I've got to say, I didn't watch it. But Louise was watching it in the room adjacent, and it was on telly, and I was completely blasé and oblivious to it all, except this piece of choral music, which was written and composed by Welsh guy. And it was absolutely stunning. It was just that moment, and I got up from the chair, walked in, and just watched that. And it was brilliant. Was that the one that they had for the walk walk back down? They did have a piece commissioned. Wasn't it the... um, Wasn't it the bit of the... Oh, the bishop or, you know, whoever he was, the, the bloke who did the ceremony, did he commissioned it. Is that right? I remember hearing, you know, there's... Well, it's it's a bit like watching Home Shopping Club. You get like, hours and hours of filler, people just talking inane facts and nonsense at you. And I can only remember very brief snippets of it because it was on... Well, because we, we ended up going down to the park because at the local park they put up a big screen and had a band playing and it was all, it was all quite nice, actually. It was quite good fun. And it's good, a good excuse for an, yet another day off, um, which was very pleasant. But uh, I think... just go back to the topic for a second? Oh, yeah, what was that? <laughs> I don't remember what the it was. The topic was multi touch monitors. I oh, remember yes. where I've seen them. I've seen them in Aldi. Aldi sell, like, this big kind of 21-inch multi-touch monitors for about 200 quid. Aldi being, uh, they're like a kind of Walmart stroke, you know, the low-grade low uh, supermarket kind of outlet. Those so if you want to... a multi-touch monitor that works with your PC, you can go to Al. It's a German supermarket, isn't it? I think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And they do do a fair-sized multi-touch monitor for a very reasonable price, for less than it would cost to buy this thing and stick it on the front of, of an existing monitor. Uh, Rich, I think you're right. I think Rich is on something in the chat room here. This is the uh, the screen cleaning products. We need someone with a distinctly English accent on TV to explain why nothing in your current cleaning cabinet will do the job, that of cleaning your PC screen. And I would agree. I, I, very, I bought some special wipes from PC World. They don't never do the job properly. And with a touchscreen, it's even worse. And oh, people have flat screen, flat screen TVs everywhere, and, every, and they're going to have touchscreen devices everywhere. And this is a, 
this is a boon market. If you market, if you can find a way to tap into the green and healthy thing, and market something that's the perfect thing to get those things clean, boy. Yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, do you think we should launch a uh, Sonic State? Goodbye, Sonic State. Green. Yeah. Okay, I'm there, Rich. This broadcast is over. I'm just going to go and formulate some um, some product. <laughs> there you go. The product is um, Johnson's baby wipes. If you've ever yeah, but they're scented. The bottom. Well, yeah, but they're actually brilliant for cleaning LCD screens. They're right, quite bef- good for cleaning engines, actually, or bef- anything else. This is presumably before they have been applied to the baby's bottom, right? Before they've been applied <laughs> to the baby's bottom. When I lived on a boat, when I lived on a boat, I used to make the coal stove thing, you know, and I'd get completely black hands, and I'd wipe them with Johnson's baby wipes, and they'd remove, like, coal tar and... Uh, they'd remove oil from engines, and just I don't know what the solvent is in there, but it's brilliant. But it doesn't damage a touch screen. You can clean your screen like that, look. Or indeed a baby's bottom. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a top well, tip. I don't know if you should use them on baby's bottoms. No, I'm just they, saying it. That doesn't sound like it's a, the right thing to use no, them for. At all. And I think you misunderstood. For industrial things, but forget putting it near your kids. Don't do that. I said I needed a guy with your accent to explain why nothing else will work. Well, that's why go. everything else will work. <laughs> ah, okay. Fair well, enough. You don't, you don't need that. Uh, you don't need any any product though. I just lick my laptop screen clean. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Information overload. My next, the next words that were going to come out of my mouth were, "What shall we call the show?" And I think. I think after the success of yogurt-powered computing, which resulted in a record number of hits to the to the story, even though people were probably sadly disappointed when they finally listened to the podcast, I think lick your laptop screen clean has got to be a good one. Unless, of course, the chat room can come up with any other um, any other options before before we finally go off air, which will be uh, at this rate sometime quite soon. I'm just, I'm just going to try that. Oh no! Oh, no! Did it work? Camera. Well, it seems cleaner than before. It does actually. You've, you've taken on a, a more a less um, pallid sheen. Yeah. Your studio tan has finally lessened. Well, guys, Dave, you seem to be getting paler by the week. Well, guys, I thank you very much for the show. That was a great fun. Uh, really, you'll uh, yeah, we'll call it "Lick It Clean." That's a good one from Happy Fun Team. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Sonic nine nine forty eight says, "Gaz, do you get many visitors to your studio? Screen looking good. Give me a cool lick. Uh, cat click. Gaz, cat cleaning. It. Yeah, there's lots of." Lots of okay. uh, yeah, uh, there are plenty. Yeah, I'm sure out of one of those, we'll be able to we'll be able to find the perfect one. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for the uh, for your continue, for, from the sh- for joining us on the show. I just want to say that um, we did actually um, just do an interview with Mr. Daniel Miller from uh, Mute Records, uh, who incidentally I didn't realise this, but Mute Records are now back independent. They left EMI. They were part of EMI. Now they're independent again. And um, he was on jolly good form because next week there's a short circuit uh, at the Roundhouse on Friday and Saturday. It was two days of kind of electronic music with mute artists. We're going to go up and hopefully uh, grab a bit of footage and just have a mooch around and see what's what. But I want to say that'll be coming up probably tomorrow as well. So there'll be a bumper double edition of the Sonic Talk podcast plus the interview with Daniel Miller as well. So anyway, I want to say now thank you very much to all my guests. I'll start over... Over oh, this is all the wrong way around. I'll start over there with Dave Spears. Dave Spears, thank you very much for joining us this week. I'd appreciate it because I know how busy you are. Thank you. Thank you very much. But, but all Can this... I leave the listeners with one thought for the day? Yes. At any time, the temptation to sing The Lion Sleeps Tonight is never more than a whim away. <laughs> hey! You have been indoors too long. <laughs> thank you very much for that, Dave. Uh, g4software.com uh, needs to get something out to market as soon as possible just to break this terrible cycle of indoorsness. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Afterwards, I'm going out for a week. Yes, I think you should go camping. No. Ah, okay. Anyway, and also uh, we'll say over over there, uh, Gaz Williams, uh, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sorry, I'm trying to point, but it's not quite working. Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, thank you very much for joining us this week. It's been ever so much fun, as usual. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And um, down there, 
Uh, we got Mr. Mark Tinley, who uh, likebeing.com joined us this week. I'm looking. Uh, we're looking. Wait. We're looking up at you at the moment. Oh, up! Oh, fabulous! Okay, I like being up. I think the thing is, when you move your laptop around too much, uh, it, this, the, it can't do the. Um, it can't keep the, the frame that. rate up. Oh, I'm there you go. That, uh, I'm doing like that. You know, I'll do it really slowly. I'm doing that kind of, you know, like the point of view thing where the camera follows right. the guy around in the room. Is the it Julian? Is it room. Julian Temple who did all of those for the Cure? Oh uh, yeah, I think all those videos. Yeah. So there you go. Well, anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us this week. Really enjoyable, actually. Good topics, actually. Uh-huh. I would commend you on your topic. Thank you very much. Not bad for a, a news-free <laughs> week. Uh, yeah. And uh, over here, here, here. No, that's that one, isn't it? God, it's really weird looking at yourself in the mirror like that. There we go. There's Dave. There's Mr. Rich Hilton. We'll say thank you very much to Rich Hilton. There you are, Rich. Moving around. You're like a blur. It's just so fast. Rich Hilton, uh, Hiltonius on MySpace and Facebook and all those places. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, good luck with the uh, Nile Rogers release. Hopefully we'll see it in the rest of the world. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. And thank you. Uh, speaking of Julian Temple, I made a movie with him 20-something years ago. Oh, really? What was yeah. that? It was called Earth Girls Are Easy. Ah, uh, was that Gina? Um, what's her name? Gina? It was Gina Davis. Gina uh, Davis, so, that's right. She, as far as I remember, she had a really shocking permanent. Yeah, there was some very distinctly 80s-looking it was, it was of its time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's, which is strange, actually, because I mean, I, his stuff, because he did the Cure um, wardrobe video, all that's a really kind of quite wacky and creative stuff. And as far as I remember, that was quite mainstream, wasn't it? Or was it a little bit out, out there? And maybe it just doesn't translate. I, I didn't know anything about him the day I met him. And I don't think I've ever seen anything else he's ever done since. <laughs> well, it obviously worked for him. That was a career stopper, that one. Anyway, folks, thank you very much. That was Sonic Talk number 215. Going to be live on Thursday, uh, May the 5th. In fact, today, it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Oh. I think I should end on that. I had to get that in somewhere. <laughs> hey. Yeah, fabulous. I love that. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, everybody, in the chat room. And also, thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, Yamahasynth.com, Yamahadownload.com. Do go and check out the N-Series mixers. And uh, hopefully, uh, we've booked our time in with the new MOX synthesizer, which will be coming down to us in the next couple of weeks. In fact, we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Keep your eyes peeled for some more reviews. And uh, we hope to see you uh, next week, next time, next time. That was uh, Sonic Talk number 216. Thank you very much.